You got something catchy? Yeah. Four! <laughs> I think you just blew Joe's eardrums <laughs> out. Is, it, <laughs> is that catchy? Is that oh catchy, my Carly? Gosh. Well, we're here. We're talking about golf. And I thought we should get everyone's attention. And that's what you do when you're talking about when you're doing golf. You need to get people's attention. When you're doing golf. <laughs> Four! Yeah, so there we go. Everyone is immediately clicking off of this. Now. Yeah, like, no, 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 because they know they got. I got first of all, I got their attention, <laughs> and two, we're talking about golf. <clears throat> we are talking about golf. John Lindert is going to be our guest today. He is the president of the PGA of America. Believe it or not, yes, the president of the PGA of America. He is Lansing guy, uh, head golf pro, golf director at the Country Club of Lansing, um, and he's our guest. Got it? So everyone be really quiet. Whisper. It's the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. It's true, though. <laughs> yikes. <laughs> Don't yikes me. It was, a, it was just a, a thing that I said. And <laughs> that I regret. On a podcast that was recorded. That everybody can That was hear. sent out to thousands of people. Oh. Really? Thousands? Oh, six. <laughs> Welcome to Cold Oatmeal, a podcast by the Rush Strategies team about PR and public affairs. Really. I was distracted staring at Joe's Cold Oatmeal. Yeah, well, it's here. He's got it on his desk. It's it's always here. It's always here. And by the way, the the ratio of like fruit to disgusting is like one to ten. It's got some disgusting stuff and some fruit. Yeah, There's like nothing disgusting. One part what's, what, what in there is disgusting? I don't even know what's in it, but it, it looks like cucumber mash and maybe a couple of chopped apples. Did you have Burger King for breakfast? What was your... Say that! <laughs> so welcome back. This is Matt Resch of the Resch Strategies team. This is the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. Uh, we are a public affairs and a public relations firm here in downtown Lansing. We're going to talk to another cool Lansing person today on our on our podcast. But before we get into the, the details here, joining me in the podcast studio, to my left. Anna Heaton. Carly Buell. Joe Bashi. The rest of the team, I, maybe they're out golfing. It's a nice day. They're not here, so they must. hopefully they're doing something, doing something fun. Anyway, this is... Um, Again, I said the Cold Oatmeal Podcast, and you can find all of our episodes at reststrategies.com. They're also on all of the podcast services, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, you know you know what they are. They're there, and it's, you can listen there. And you can find us at reststrategies.com, at reststrategies at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Okay. We have LinkedIn now, too. We do? Yeah. For the podcast? No, or just, just rest strategies. Oh. What's that? Is it at Rest Strategies LinkedIn? Is that how you do LinkedIn? <laughs> yeah. If what you is just, LinkedIn? If you just search Rest Strategies, it'll come okay, up. Okay. So just search. That's why we have the digital media person here. So just search Rest Strategies on LinkedIn. <laughs> do we post the podcast? Go to the what, do we, yeah, well, what do we do on there? What I don't do know. It's more Nikki's. We, we, post, we, we post articles and stuff. Oh, cool. Follow us and you'll see what we'll we put on there. We'll soon be posting my, uh, my expert use advice on how to use a LinkedIn article. Yeah. That's what we'll do. Mm-hmm. Oh, we posted your chamber thing on there, I think. Really? Oh, I think yeah, I saw it, yeah. Yeah, lots of people like that. Two weeks late. <laughs> but. Yeah, I think a little bit like PG, <laughs> president of the PGA Tour of America, the president of the Lansing Chamber is kind of the same. <clears throat> it's kind of right there in the same thing. Yeah, so. we have we, we have presidents on here all the time. Right. Is there travel involved with your... Yeah, a lot of travel. Yeah. It's like six miles, but it's, it's travel. Who's the coolest person you've met? <laughs> <laughs> same question. During your time. Can I do I take Steve Jackman go off the list of, of cool people? I, I wouldn't include him. No. Okay. I did meet the new president of Michigan State University not too long ago. Yeah. That was interesting. But no one no one has tuned in to listen to us talk about me and being the president of the Lansing Chamber. And Steve Jappinga sure, probably has. <laughs> but I I do think people tuned in to hear us talk about golf because they yeah. heard me yell four and they came running. Yep. Uh, so joining us today is um, John Lindert. He is the golf director at the country club of lansing here in town he's been here for just over 20 years doing that job but he's with us today because he was recently elected to the the role of president of the pga of america the head of all the all the golfers all the golfers and uh he's here in town to talk to us about all that about all that so grab your bags and your drinks and your carts take a nice walk 
Or not. Or not. <laughs> no cart. Uh, John Lindert. John Lindert, president of the PGA. Is the PGA of America? Is that is that PGA what of America? That's well, what it is. Welcome. <laughs> I think you may be. We've had some elected officials. I don't think we, on the we've never had the president of the, anything of America. <laughs> I don't so think so. You may be the highest ranking <laughs> podcast guest we've had in our six and a half years. There you go. Well, it is the largest sports organization in the in the world. Twenty eight thousand members. Wow. So we had Brian Kelly. He was lieutenant governor. That's he wasn't president. Mm-mm. No. And Angela Whitwer. She, you know, you yeah, know, well, I know, she's she's got power, but I'm, she's not the president. Yeah, she's not the president. <laughs> so. It's a lofty, lofty title. Well, good. Well, I want to get into that because there's, there are a lot of terms in here. I know we're talking about golf, but I want to understand exactly what this, what this role, this two-year role as president of the, the PGA of America is all about. But first, you know, obviously you're a, a golf pro. I think most people who play golf, a lot of people think, well, that's, that's the job I wish I could always have. I, yeah. I just wish I could play golf. I mean, I play golf, but I wish I could, <laughs> I wish I could not suck at golf. <laughs> how did you start? How did you start? How did you become? a golf pro how did that start well you know i started off as a as a young kid uh playing my parents played tennis and i'm actually the only person in my family that plays golf because when my parents got older they figured they can't play tennis any longer so they took up golf and i was five years old they dragged me to the golf course because that was cheaper than a babysitter and i learned (laughs) how to play and so I, i i got a passion for for playing i got a passion for for teaching i got recruited to the university of arizona to actually swim okay and um didn't want to do the two-a-days. Uh, yeah. Arizona had an outdoor pool. Didn't want to get up at 6 o'clock and go do the two-a-days. So I walked on the golf team my sophomore year. The assistant swim coach became the golf coach my sophomore year at Arizona. So I walked on the golf team, graduated with my degree in accounting, and I went back to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I grew up, and my dad gave me the ultimatum. As soon as I get a job, I'm out of the house. At that point in time, I didn't really want to put on a three-piece suit and a pocket protector as an accountant, so I wanted to do something different, so I dabbled in trying to get into the golf industry and fell in love with teaching, fell in love with playing, and, and really that's where I got into it. I got into it because I like I like the instructional aspect of it. I like helping people with their golf games, always have, and uh, just followed that, figured that if I didn't like it, I could always go back into the accounting realm and probably make more money than I was making as a golf professional. I didn't want to do it the other way around where mm-hmm. I was an accountant and yeah. found myself in a four by four space and just yeah. said, okay, I need to get out of here. Um, and I've been doing that my entire life. So how does, how do you become a golf? Cause, cause I could see, you know, golfers are notorious. Everybody's got a tip. Everyone can tell you what you're doing wrong, but most of them don't know what they're talking about. Those are our favorite people. <laughs> I'm, I'm that's talking, how, that's how we get business, to, I'm right? I'm talking to my dentist right now. <laughs> right? Those are, those are our favorite people. They actually drive revenue to us because they give those wonderful pieces of nuggets of advice that right. drive somebody batty, and then they have to come and get fixed by a PGA professional. <laughs> so we go through a, a, a training process. They, we call them business schools. There are three levels. There's an education program that you go through. It takes about five years currently for somebody to go through the process. There's also a work component to it. And then the, you get, you know, become a PGA Class A member. Uh, there are, as I said, we're 28,000 members and associates currently in the PGA of America. And um, we have one of the best education programs around it. It, it, it does a variety of different things because there's a variety of different aspects to being a PGA professional. You can be an instructor, you can be, a, you can own a golf shop, you can be a rules official, you can work at administrative levels. Um, so there's a lot of different education components that go along with that. Okay. How did you make it to Lansing? Because you've been in Lansing for a while. Now. Twenty some odd years. So how did what what brought you from Milwaukee to, or did you come from? So Milwaukee uh, yeah, no, else? I started off in Sarasota, Florida, and uh, I found out real quickly I wasn't a really big fan of Florida, especially in the summertime. <laughs> yeah. You know, the idea of taking a shower and walking, going to work, and then standing outside and feeling like you needed to take a shower again was kind of pointless. <laughs> so I grew up, as I said, in Milwaukee. Wanted to come back to the Midwest, and I I'd spent ten years in Ohio. Uh, had an opportunity along the lake shore in, in uh, Spring Lake and worked there for about nine years. And then this position came open here. Spring Lake was wonderful. All the activities in the Spring Lake that are any fun are during the summertime. And uh, I couldn't really participate in any of that. And the winters uh, along the lake shore are brutal. Mm-hmm. So this opportunity came about and I came to Lansing and obviously our fun activities are more shoulder season for me going to football games and basketball right. games and that's kind of my downtime 
and uh, and so it's a wonderful facility here and a great golf course. So you've been at the club for the Country Club of Lansing for 26 years? 20 years, years 21 year. years. This okay. is my 22nd season, I think. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, a long time. Yeah. I've seen a lot of kids grow up. I've I'm seen, sure. I've seen a lot of families get get uh, go from having babies to having grandbabies, and you see a lot over those 20 years, 22 well, years. Well, I've just seen in my little brief time living in the neighborhood, just, you know, the, those kids that you talked about, you know, getting dropped off, and, like, that's you just go there in the summer, hey, drop off and go go play golf, and, and some of them turn out to be really good. Yeah, it's really no, good. It, it's, and it's interesting. The club is actually more of a um, legacy club. We have families that have families that have families, and you see that, which is really interesting, that people want to stay and live and stay here in Lansing and continue to, to play the game of golf. So I want to get into the PGA, your job with as president. But one quick more thing on Lansing, what's your what's your take on how important that club is to the down? It's not in downtown, but it's it's close to downtown and the community itself. Having that having that there and something that is, I mean, it's a wonderful golf course. Uh, it's a great golf course. It's a great facility. I think. Um Really, you don't have to go very far to see the importance of a facility like the Country Club of Lansing. Uh, just go to Midland Country Club, where Dow Chemical invested $30 million in order to attract uh, executives to come to work to, in Midland. They found value in that facility in both entertainment and in, in exercise. So the club plays a huge role. It plays the role of, obviously, an opportunity to entertain. It plays an opportunity for families to uh, to spend time together, but it also plays a role in business. Uh, we have a lot of legislators that come out to the club. We have a lot of people that do their business at the club. It's a great, it's got a great dining facility and it's just a, it's a, it's a part of the community and, mm-hmm. and part of the fabric of, of Lansing. And it, it is extremely important to, as from, from my standpoint, having been here for over 20 years. So getting into this, so you are the president, we covered this at the PGA of America. How does one, how does one become the president? Uh, yeah, well, um, <laughs> you know, are you it, asking yourself it, that yeah, now? Yeah, as, it's kind of one of those things. airline miles yeah, add up. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things that I was was I the last person to not take a step backwards? Um, you know, it's a, it's actually an elected position. It's uh, I'm I'm not a very political individual, but you actually have to politic. So we have 41 sections across the country. Those 41 sections have two representatives or delegates, if you will, that get to vote at an annual meeting. And so what we do is, and when I ran, I ran for secretary in in 2018. We had four what we call super regionals, where I met with a quarter of the delegates, a quarter of the country for three. We did uh, an open um, an opening speech, 25 minutes of an opening speech. We met with each of the delegates independently as groups for a day. We then did an hour and a half debate with the other candidates. I ran against three other gentlemen. Uh, we do that four times in about a month period. So you meet with a quarter of the, of the delegates, another quarter, another quarter, another quarter. Then you get to the annual meeting. You meet with the, the voters again. Um, you do another 20-minute presentation, and then they do a vote, and it's 50% plus one. In my case, with four other, with four total individuals, first round of ballots, uh, nobody had 50% plus one. So then you kind of go on your caucus, and you mm-hmm. you kind of plan and try to get other people to swing their votes, and then they take, do another round of votes. Second vote, I got 50% plus two. So. Duly, duly elected, and there you go, and now you're off and running, and you're, two, and you're two years as secretary. The vice president and the president roles are uncontested, or they have been uh, through history. So once you get elected, that that contested election as secretary is the really is the hard one, and then the you acclimated up to vice president, and then in November of last year, I was elected president. So here I am. <laughs> so this is this. You know, we're gonna. I was gonna ask, what are you campaining on? I was what just are you asking ask that. Different than what those other yeah, guys are, that were running said. What, so are, the, just, what are the issues in these? Yeah, yeah. So you have a platform. Everybody, everybody tries to develop a platform, and I, my platform was was basically that uh, we're aging out, if you will. We're a group of individuals that a majority of our membership obtained membership over 25 years ago. So where's the next generation of PGA golf professional going to come from, and how do we attract and retain those individuals? And I got to utilize my skill set from my facility because I have three younger individuals, four younger individuals now that are under 30 that work for me. 
So how do we attract those individuals? How do we retain them? How do we keep them in the loop in order to continue to have the association of nearly 28,000? That was some of the stuff that I kind of geared my platform around was kind of attracting, retaining, uh, maybe doing things a little bit differently, maybe trying to streamline uh, education component rather than taking that program, which I said currently is five years. And how do you in today's society, five years is too long. How do you whittle it down to being a two year program? So just stuff, stuff like that. So now that you are the, the big winner here and you're the president, <laughs> what, is, what is a week in the life of the president of the PGA of America look like? Um, just pretty quiet? You're sitting around home? Yeah, I sit around. Just TV. golfing. A couple <laughs> rounds of golf, and that's it. Yeah. No, I, it, it's really interesting because um, we talked about it. I talked about it yesterday on a call. As secretary, you're the new person in, and everybody you know wants to congratulate you, and you're, you're everybody's best friend. As vice president, you're in charge of finances, and you're kind of caught in the middle between the secretary and the president, and really nobody wants to talk to you about anything because you're just finances. And then as president, you're kind of the face of the association, so now everybody calls you, emails you. If they have a complaint about anything, they call me. If they have a complaint about anything, they email me. So I go on, get on an airplane or go play around the golf, four hours later I come back and I've got 150 emails. And it's anything from complaints, comments, we can do this better, we can do that better, have you looked at this, have you looked at that? Did you know, by the way, that they're doing this, 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 and this across the country? And, and some of it is real impactful work. Some of it is dealing with lobbyists. Some of it is you know going to Capitol Hill and talking to representatives about water issues that, that mm. golf courses obviously need water, whether it's tax issues. You know, we dealt with that a little bit here in Michigan, whether or not they were going to tax cart fees and tax guest fees, and how would that impact tourism here in the state? Because it's an $84 billion industry. So those kind of situations happen on a daily basis because it's a wide breadth of individuals and it's the entire country. So you get a lot of those different calls, a lot of different conversations. And then there's also planning. The PJ of America, we run, uh, basically we run some major spectator events, the PJ Championship. We run the KitchenAid Senior PJ Championship, KPMG Women's PJ Championship, and then the Ryder Cup. So it's kind of planning and charting out some of those events, what are the schedules of events, who are you going to meet, who are you going to greet, what are you going to do. And then there's some travel involved where you want to go to those delegates, you want to go to those 41 sections. So I'll get on an airplane and fly to a section and, you know, as I was telling you earlier, I leave Sunday to go down to Dallas, which is where our new home is, the new headquarters of the PGA of America in Frisco. Uh, spend three days there. Then I go to the USGA's annual meeting in San Francisco for three days. And then I fly from San Francisco to Milwaukee, Wisconsin to go to the Wisconsin section's spring meeting. I am there for two days and I come back here on March 2nd. Okay. So that's my next 10 days, 12 days. So I'm on the road for about 11 days in a row. So you're not you're not traveling to get the the, the tea times on Thursday of the weekly tournament and no. hanging out there for the weekend. You're doing other you're doing work. Work. <laughs> well, and I will get, you know, Wendy and I, my wife, we're going to go to the Players Championship because part of right. as president, one of your roles is you sit on the PGA Tour Policy Board. Okay. So I sit on the PGA Tour Policy Board. Uh, we'll get to go to the Players Championship in early March. So we'll do that and that will be less business because it's the PGA Tours event. It's not the PGA of America's event. But when we go to, like the PGA Championship, when we go to Oak Hill this year, I'll be doing media interviews, be doing um, broadcasting interviews. I'll be doing spots for TV, taping. Okay. Um, I won't be on the golf course a lot, and I will be handing out the Wanamaker Trophy after the 72 holes on Sunday to the eventual champion. That was the first mm. time I knew that you were something something big because I <laughs> it was a few years ago and you hadn't you weren't handing anybody anything, but you were up there. You were like you were up there on the, on the on the 18th green with the people who were holding. And I'm like, wait a minute, I, I know him. Yeah, what, yeah. how do you get up there? Yeah, and it's one of those things. It's like, where's Waldo? You know, I, 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 everybody goes, you got a good spot. You got a good spot. And I said, yeah, I don't get to choose where I stand. They just tell me where to stand. I I just stand there. I'm the Vanna White. You know, yeah. I'm standing there. I'm not handing out the trophy. This year, I get to hand out the trophy. Wow. So what is the difference between the PGA Tour of America and the PGA of America? So the PGA of America is basically, as I said, those 28,000 strong of members and associates that grow the game every day, that work at your local golf courses, that give golf lessons. 
the PGA Tour are those people you see on TV at the Waste Management making hole-in-ones and playing for millions of dollars. So the, it's the it's the players. So yeah. the, the people who are on the PGA Tour are not me- are they members of the PGA of America? Some, some of them, them. Some of them okay. are. Yes. Some of Got them it. are. In order, in, in, as a matter of fact, in order to be on the Ryder Cup team, you have to be a member of the, of the PGA of America. So there are dues okay. that they pay. Um, so it's kind of like a professional trade association, yeah. for lack of yeah. for, for golf. Yeah. Okay. PGA America is is the trade trade aspect of it. Got the it. PGA Tour is the players' aspect. They they play. We teach. A lot of our PGA members teach those that are playing. Right. You have oh, yeah. you have you have those that are teaching those. They all grew up playing golf somewhere. They all were instructed by somebody. Majority of them were were taught by a PGA of America member. Okay. Interesting. What is your take? Uh, well, for you mentioned the waste management. Yeah, I want to get your. Um, what is as golf is a etiquette sport. There's not a lot, and for folks, this tournament just happened. It was this, just this last weekend. Um, it's in it's in Phoenix, Phoenix right? Scottsdale. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a crazy weekend in Phoenix, the Super Bowl and this yeah. tournament. Yeah, and this one has gotten more and more, I guess, notorious or famous, depending on how you look at it, because the crowd is insane, and they build like these stadium style bleachers around these holes. There were streakers, like they throw <laughs> beer cups on the. It's in, it's insanity, and as a as a golf professional what is your take on that kind of environment do you think is it is it great once a year or is it what do you think it in small doses and by small doses <laughs> i mean on one par three and one golf course four days out of the year i think it's it's uh, okay i think as as the norm it's not um you know i go go and i look forward to some of the coming events that i'll be able to be part of um Going to the Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits, the first tee scene is a scene, and there's the the players anticipate and expect that, and that's at the first tee only. When they get off the first tee, it's it's more etiquette, right? Mm-hmm. Um, first tee this this coming uh, September in Italy, I'm assuming we'll have some amount of raucousness and loudness, and that's fine. As far as the normal. Day in and every hole, hecklers. Yeah. You know, I don't. I don't envision that as being something that we'd want to see in the game. Um, and then as we go forward with the Ryder Cup, it comes back to the United States and New York at Beth Page. So that'll be an interesting uh, case study. The uh, New Yorkers are probably yeah. not going to be very quiet. <laughs> so it's going to be a lot of fun on the first tee. Um, but I have yet to go to the waste management in person. I've only seen it on TV. You know, they've done a really good job with building the confines around the 16th hole, and it's mm-hmm. pretty much that hole is that, just hole. that one. And, that, yeah. and that's and that's it. What have you ever talked to player like to the players? They're obviously used to crowds, but there aren't too many holes that have. I mean, they get to the end of a major and you like to get to the 18th, but that's a huge crowd. And what do they enjoy that? Do they hate that? <laughs> what do they think? I think, I think as long as it's expected. And it's not abnormal. So they walk into that. They walk through that tunnel. They walk to the 16th tee. I haven't talked to any of the players. I've just seen some of their reactions. The louder, the better for them because it kind of becomes white noise. Mm-hmm. They, and it doesn't, the, the thing that bothers most of the players is that random singular noise, right? They get the golf club, they got it halfway back and somebody yells cheeseburger that's the thing that bothers them but if everybody's yelling cheeseburger it's white noise so i think they they kind of as long as they anticipate it and they and they know that that's coming i think they're okay with it okay so in terms of etiquette the dress code for all of us has kind of changed throughout the pandemic right we're more casual um and I saw there was a kind of a big ordeal when Sam Ryder, I think his name is, wore joggers, joggers a few weeks ago, which are really just sweatpants. How do you feel about the changing dress code as it reflects in golf? Well, um, so anybody that really knows me knows that I, I, I'm, I'm not wearing it today, but I have a thousand different hoodies and I wear hoodies <laughs> all the time. Uh, hoodies, when I grew up, were you know, sweat gear. Now they're hoodies with style and they're made out of different fabrications. I think that's been a great add to the, to the game of golf. I think golf has always been a, a trendy sport when it comes to attire. Uh, and actually that was one of the things that when I ran, uh, my platform, I took a picture of myself back in 1980 
and it was it was an awful outfit. But, but, but I took a picture of myself, so I obviously thought it was an outstanding outfit <laughs> at the time. Um, you know, it was bell-bottom pants, and it was baby blue and bright yellow, and, and, and it was just white belt, and it was all these colors. Thought that was really cool. Belt, that was really trendy. That's what photos do. They they remind you every day that you made a bad decision at one point that you thought was really, really good. So, you know, I think that there's a, a place and a role. Um, you know, the joggers are, are, are kind of for the right individual. I think they, they can work. Um, would I want to see everybody wearing joggers? I don't, I just don't think that it works for everybody. Sam Ryder is very athletic and very fit. I think it works for him. Um, as I said, I, I've got a thousand different hoodies and I'm going to wear hoodies <laughs> as much as I possibly can because here in Michigan, hoodies are functional. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, I can go outside and I can throw that hoodie up and I can actually stay warm. So I think that the trends are always going to evolve. Um, and I think as long as the as long as it's in good taste, in good form, I think it's fine. So has the controversy with the Live Tour impacted you? So do you have, does the same, so to back up, so there's a new tour, the Live Tour, um, PGA Tour of America and Live, they're fighting, they're fighting over players. Does that impact your members? Do you have members who play in both? Did you have, do the no, same, so your I members mean, do not play? We, we I mean, or, I guess you could technically, technically say yes, we do if there are some Live uh, players who are PGA of America members. Uh, I to be quite to be quite honest, does it really impact me at this point? No, I'm I'm kind of the the face of the twenty eight thousand, okay. not necessarily the the players. We obviously run the PGA Championship, which you know either has players or doesn't have players. Our our stance has always been, you know, we we've thought, felt that the ecosystem was great the way it was. We felt like the PGA Tour was doing a great job in in. Um, Giving giving players an opportunity to showcase their skills, um, and the PGA America has the, the the instructors of a lot of those individuals. There's a lot of stuff that's that's being talked about now. Obviously, the Masters is around the corner. The PGA Championship will happen in May. The U.S. Open will happen in in June, and the and the Open Championship will happen in July. And we'll see where all those things fall out. Do you have a favorite golfer? Who do you root for? Good question. Well, that's a great question. <laughs> All 28,000. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I've had some opportunity to uh, interact a little bit with Justin Thomas. Mm. Uh, he's the the grandson of a PGA of America member. He's the son of a PGA of America member. So he's got that that lineage, that, her- that heritage, if you will, of, of family members that were PGA of America members. He's a really great individual so i like i like rooting for the good guys i like rooting for the nice guys yeah um and you know just talking to him i got to shake his hand on the first tee at at southern hills i started him on sunday the year the the day that he won it just seems to be a really nice nice young man so you know if jt's in the hunt uh i kind of cheer for him just because (laughs) of that his his dad was actually on the pg of america board so his dad was involved in governance, much like myself. So it's kind of got that little bit of that um, that history yeah. with the PG of America. How do you feel about um, the future of the game? And I ask because I feel like before COVID, I would occasionally see stories about golf's declining popularity and millennials not picking up the game the way boomers did. But then COVID comes, and I feel like everyone's out playing golf because that was one of the few things you could do for a while. And it seems like it's kind of bounce back up in terms of its popularity as a as an activity but i don't know if that's i, I think the i think the future is really bright for the sport I, for a variety of different reasons uh you hit the nail on the head with covid covid allowed families to come back together and spend time together and do it in a social atmosphere and do it social distancing it allowed you to be with friends we went through our struggles obviously trying to figure out what the right way to navigate that uh, I saw more people work from home and their home became the golf course rather than <laughs> anything else. So the families got introduced to it. They had great family time together. The other thing that's really interesting is the amount of um, interest in off course. And what I mean by that are the top golf of the yeah. world mm. that they have introduced. I've, I've gone to several different top golf facilities or some spinoff thereof. And you see couples 
and clearly one or the other, either the male or the female or whoever, they one one of them plays and the other one doesn't, <laughs> but they're out there engaging and they're out there having fun they're, and they're, they're engaging out there, yeah, they're out there having fun and you see you see one's the videos. happy one's pissed yeah, you see, you're seeing them out there and as long as they're not falling off the third deck and, and getting hurt but but what's what we found is that that actually is transcending into into real golfers kind of uh i'll use the analogy that if i put a basketball hoop up in my backyard and i play horse with my kid as he grows up is he a basketball player some would say no some would say yes but by playing horse with my son eventually he plays basketball so you go to a top golf and you and you play this social game and you hit hit at targets and you get lights that go off and there's music and there's food and there's beverages and that have we have seen has transcended into i want to now go play the game and I want to play it on a golf course, which we haven't seen before. And that's where our biggest growth is coming from. It's coming from juniors. Uh, we we do PJ Junior League. We have over 70,000 kids that participated in that last year. That's for 13 and under. And those kids are, are now becoming golfers. Um, we're seeing from, from top golf, we're seeing an influx of women into the game, which is which is critically important. So the game is actually becoming to look more like the social demographics of our country. It's not just what it used to be. It's not just a white male endeavor. It is basically mirroring the society. So I have a few kind of like personal moment questions here to, to wrap us up. So what is the, the coolest foursome you've played in? You've, you've had to have had the opportunity to play with some pretty cool people in this this job. Am I wrong about that? Or is there yeah. is there a group that you can remember? Like, I will always remember having golfed with these three guys. Um, or gals. You know, I haven't. I So I get to play uh, every year. You, I get to play in some of the pro-ams. So the PGA Championship doesn't have a pro-am, but the KitchenAid Senior PGA Championship has a pro-am. Um, and the KPMG Women's PGA Championship has a pro-am. I got to play with a, a young woman uh, at Congressional, uh, Julia Molinaro. And Julia was a Pac-12 player of the year. She played at Arizona State. Uh, I played at the University of Arizona, <laughs> kind of the Michigan-Michigan <laughs> State kind of rivalry. Mm -hmm. And I had a blast. And I went up to her and I you know, introduced myself. And I said, Julia, I got some bad news for you. And she said, what's that? I said, I'm a wildcat. And she said, oh, boy. <laughs> so we go through, and she has um, alignment stick cover that says Arizona State on it. I had alignment stick cover that had Team USA for the Ryder Cup on it. And we get about five holes in, and I see my alignment stick cover is gone, and it's replaced with this Arizona State alignment <laughs> stick cover. And I go, I said, Julie, I, I said, what uh, what's going on here? I said, something seems to be missing. We we bantered back and forth, and at the end of the day, we're walking down our last hole, and she said, John, you don't have to keep that that Arizona State alignment stick cover. I said, oh, yes, I do. I said, we're going to have a story for a lifetime. I said, number one, I'm a U of A fan. I'm a U of A grad. <laughs> And I'm going to have to explain to my friends why I've got this ASU alignment stick cover. You played for the Junior Ryder Cup, European Junior Ryder Cup team, and you have to explain why you have a Team USA Ryder Cup <laughs> cover on your alignment sticks. So that was that was one great story. Got to play with her. The other one is, I will say, it, and it doesn't sound like it's overly impactful, but it really was. The PGA America runs this program called PGA Hope, helping our patriots everywhere, using golf to rehabilitate veterans. And every year we do a National Hope and Wellness Week in Washington, D.C. And I got to play with a young woman by the name of Rhonda Lydell, and she had her support dog, Remy, um, played one-handed. Uh, before she came out, to con we were once again at Congressional. Before she came out, she was in her, in her room, in her house, didn't want to engage with people, didn't want to socially engage, didn't want to interact at all. She was so post-traumatic stress syndrome um, golf changed her life and to watch that woman have enough gumption to stand up on the first tee at congressional and swing a golf club with one hand and play and utilize her support dog to give her confidence to socially engage um, probably the most impactful and one of the most meaningful now didn't mention any big names but yeah. that is to okay. me 
if I have to do, if I'm going to pick out something in my life, it's playing with one of the veterans at, at that PGA Hope function. That's that's very fair. Very fair. You probably are obligated to answer this question in the way that I, I'm guessing. But if you had to pick a, your favorite major, you're probably going to say the PGA Championship. You had to say <laughs> the PGA Championship. I'm going to say the PGA Championship. I will say this. Uh, what I find really interesting is we have a gentleman by the name of Kerry Haig, who's our chief championship officer. Kerry is um, considered worldwide as probably the best setup person in in the in the world. He's, he's called upon by uh, the Masters at times. He's called upon by the U.S. Open, the USGA at times. He does a fabulous job of figuring out a way to set up a golf course where the competition is great and where it's always coming down to a really close ending, where very rarely do you see that, that runaway. Last year, obviously, at Southern Hills, we had the three-hole playoff. And Kerry does a brilliant job. He sets the golf course up where they... You can have low scores. The PGA Championship isn't one of those situations where you're going to see, you know, over par around golf. Normally it's under par. Um, and it's always really a good competition. So I've, I really do enjoy it. It's, it's, we call it uh, probably the strongest field in golf as far as the majors go because we're the one that is, it is global and it is all PGA, it's all professionals, it's mm-hmm. all touring professionals. You know, the Masters has invites. Uh, the Open and the U.S. Open have invites, and they have also qualifiers. Um, we we have, over the course of the last few years, had the strongest field of all the majors. So I will say, undoubtedly, the PGA Championship. <laughs> so are you are you happy with the change of the schedule? Because it used to be the last major of the year. It used to be in August, it right? It used to be in August. And now it's in May. Yeah. Is it, that, it, is... Inter- interestingly enough, the PGA Championship has been hosted in nine different months. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I think the way the schedule rolls out right now is brilliant because you have the players that starts in March, then you have the Masters that's in April, the PGA Championship in May, the U.S. Open in June, and the Open Championship in July with the FedEx Cup in August. And and you yeah. now you're done. You've got those those months, and then you get into football season and basketball season and some, some ancillary events. But I think the way the schedule goes right now is really pretty good. Okay. And I think the other thing is, is that May for us allows us to broadcast and advertise our programs as we are heading into our golf season here in Michigan. So you'll see a lot of advertisement for PGA Junior League. You'll see a lot of advertisement for Drive, Chip, and Putt. You'll see a lot of advertisement for Growing the Game initiatives that the PGA America runs. And that bodes well for us because it's May. And a lot of people are picking up their golf clubs, dusting them off, and heading out to the course. That makes sense. I've, I've quit by that point. We've got to get you I'm, back I'm out there. I'm back in the garage. <laughs> yeah. What do you got, Anna? What's your favorite golf movie? Oh, good one. Um, I am uh, I'm a 10-cup guy. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm a 10-cup guy. All right. Um, uh, Legends of the Bagger Vance is really good. I'm a tin cup guy primarily because I am that guy. Uh, I, I, I have more teaching aids than anybody knows. I've always said he who dies with the most, most toys wins, and I'm currently in second place, so I'm trying to buy, find more teaching aids. Most of the members at the Country Club of Lansing have seen some of those teaching aids that I've brought back and have been put through the scrutiny of them so whether it's you know the dangling thing off the visor or whatever it is i, I love the teaching aids so tin cup okay good have you hit a hole in one twice twice wow where uh so the the first one was at tucson national uh interesting story i went back to the university of arizona after i graduated had played we had arranged to play tucson national with some college buddies i had turned professional uh, go to Tucson National, I birdie the first hole, I birdie the second hole, I birdie the third hole, the fourth hole's a par three, and I make hole in one. That's a good, that's a good wow. start. And I, and I go, oh, no. My friends go, what's oh, no? I said, well, I've got a hole in one. I'm five under after four, and now if I shoot 92, I'm keeping the scorecard. <laughs> and everybody knows that I, <laughs> that I was five under after four. Uh, I double bogey the next hole because <laughs> I was totally rattled. Yeah. Uh, and uh, end up shooting 68 or 69. So I, I, I had a fairly decent round that day. But that was my very first hole in one. 
fast forward, it was with a set of uh, uh, Ben Hogan irons. Uh, I played pings for a while, and then I was trying to qualify to play at the PGA Championship, and that was when the square groove policy went back and forth. So I went back into the closet, grabbed my Ben Hogan's irons back out, was playing in a professional tournament, get to the 11th hole, pull out the 8-iron that I had a hole-in-one with at Tucson National, get up on the 11th hole, make another hole-in-one. Same club. Same club. Same club, same distance, different golf courses. One was in Ohio, one was in, in Arizona. And then, like a total idiot, I, I got rid of the set. So I, <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I haven't, had a, I haven't had a hole in one since, oh, no. so I'm probably going to go scavenge some garage sales <laughs> to see if I can find that. You'd have to at least keep the lucky one. I, know, I can't I believe just, it. I, I know. I know. I just wasn't that guy. I thought, well, okay, I've had two hole in ones. It's just going to be endless. Well, I've been on a drought now for quite a few years. <laughs> So I'm going to go back to garage sales and see if I can find that eight iron somewhere. Yeah. I think it's hilarious. And this is, you just bring this up. Is that how golfers have a memory for every hole, like of every hole of our, you go to the club after men's league and all you hear is people like going hole by hole by hole, this shot. And it's like, I try to forget it as soon as it's done. But I, it's, like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's ingrained in there. It's, it's fascinating how it, that happens. It's yeah. And there, and a lot of us are very superstitious, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, you've got people out on tour that will only mark their golf ball with a nickel. Some will only mark it with a penny. Some with only a quarter. And some of them are only minted in the year that they were born. There's a variety of different superstitions that are out there. And I think we all have them. Do you have a best round of your life that you like remember? And you're like, that was it. That was. Yeah. um, I won a golf tournament um, in Toledo, Ohio. And it was a 36 hole event. I shot uh, 68 in the opening round and um, was a one shot back and came back and shot 64 in the second round and won. Hmm. So uh, the 64 was was pretty good for me. Um, And uh, that sticks out as probably in competition, that's my best round. I have shot 29 twice uh, on a par 36 while playing nine holes. Uh, the story, as I tell the story, because it's my story, uh, I shot 29, and and it was 7 o'clock at night, and my buddies asked me, you want to go to the 10th tee? And I said, nope. And they said, well, you just shot 29. I said, yep. And they said, well, what, you know, why don't you want to go on? you got a sh- ch- chance to shoot a really low number. And I said, well, let's put it this way. If I shoot even par, I shoot 36 in the back nine, I shoot 65. I've shot 65 before, so it's not really a really good score. It's not my all-time low. I have to play really well to have the 29 mean mean anything. And I said, plus, if I feel like this is the last time I'm going to shoot 29, it probably will be the last time (laughs) I shoot 29. I believe I'm going to shoot 29 again. So I'm okay with walking off the golf course. Once again, maybe not being the sharpest tool in the shed, I did that not only once, I did that twice. I told that story, I did it twice, and I shot 29 twice. And I haven't shot 29 since the second time I walked off the golf course. Probably coincides with the same day I sold the Ben Hogan irons. Probably. <laughs> so if you got to pick one course that you were going to go spend a weekend at playing, of the places you've played, or maybe the places you've always wanted to play, where would it go? Where would you go? Um, you can't say Lansing. Yeah, you know, I, think, I don't think he was going to. <laughs> uh, you know, I I really have fun going to the Band and Dunes facilities. Um, one of my favorite golf courses here in the state is the Dunes, the nine hole the nine hole golf course in, in New Buffalo. It's a it's a fabulous golf course. Uh, we've got so many good golf courses here in the state. You know, Oakland Hills, the Country Club of Lansing. There's they're endless. Uh, I think it's, I look at it more of a being about an experience mm-hmm. and what the overall experience is. So the dunes is very unusual. It's a nine hole golf course. You walk in only, they change the pins, you know, T markers. That's kind of a really, really, really cool experience. Uh, I don't think anybody would argue with the fact of playing either Augusta National or playing St. Andrews would be the two most impactful golf courses from a historical perspective mm-hmm. that I would like to play. Um, haven't played either one of them, but uh, would thoroughly enjoy playing both of them. Cool. Well, do you get this? You're going to the Masters. Do you get to like sneak on? You get to do a, get to practice round? You know, you got to, you're the president. Uh, so, 
So, uh, fact of the matter is, I, I got an invite to play the Friday before the Masters, so okay. I will oh. get the chance to play cool. Augusta National. Cool, cool. So that will be fun. Well, good yeah, luck. Good awesome. luck then. Yeah. Well, John, I appreciate you taking some time. You get yeah. busy, busy. I thought you were just going to golf tournaments. You got where you're doing real work. In the world. <laughs> so I appreciate yeah. you taking the time to come by and, and talk to us. It's been fun. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime. Yeah. It's five minutes from the other office. There you go. John <laughs> Leonard, we'll be right back. Way I'm swinging today, nothing bugs me except insufficient applause. Give me the lumbar. Hey, I think you want to hit the two iron, boss. Said I want the big dog. You got a tight par five here, man, with out of bounds on the left. Uh, I don't think you want to hit the driver. The two iron seems like the deal. Well, I'm not going left of those trees or right of those trees, okay? I'm going over those trees with a little draw. Yeah. That way I get home in two. That way I'm putting for eagle now. You don't need an eagle to qualify. You need to practice playing it safe. No mistakes. Qualify, I want the course record. Now give me the lumber. So Carly, you ready to go pick up, get the sticks, head out, and walk walk the links? I don't walk, but I would ride. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever golfed? Yeah, with a cart. Oh, you have? Joe, you go- you've golfed. Uh, yeah, but I'm not good, and I prefer to walk. So we've only played So there's once. a problem there. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so Carly I, would have to drive alongside of you while you walk. I'm also terrible. Like, I, I'm not, I'm... He does this thing where he likes to take fun activities but make them the least amount of fun that they can possibly be. <laughs> so that's why he likes to I walk I think that is kind of the course. point of golf, though. To walk it? No, to make it the least fun as it could possibly oh, yeah. be. Like, you're not going to listen to music. You're not going to laugh. <laughs> you're going to stick to a time schedule. Mine is like, I know I'm going to get frustrated, so I try to make it like the least stressful it could be. So I'm like, ride in the car. I skip holes if I'm not feeling it. I have a drink. Like, I'd rather just go to the driving range and hit balls. That's, yeah. that's mm-hmm. how I... That's there's less judge, There's less judgment and accountability in that. It's like, ah, that could have gone. That could have been going in the right direction. We did go to the driving range once, and I was like, there's too many people. I'll be in the car. And I literally <laughs> sat and waited in the car while he played. Well, I thought you left. <laughs> you no. told me you were leaving. Like, you're like, oh, I'll come back for you. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I didn't. Just I just sat, sat in the car. Well, but, it's funny. John didn't mention this, but when you mentioned writing, so on Labor Day weekend, and he did mention the story about the, the veterans, and so he does a big fundraiser on... Uh, it's, I think it's Labor Day weekend, where he raises money for uh, veterans, where he golfs. I think he, it's a timed thing. I think he golfs from, I don't know, like 6 to 6 or sunrise to sunset and tries to get in as many holes as possible. So he speed golfs. And I think his wife drives the cart, and I've seen him do it. And basically, she's speeding as fast as the cart can go. He jumps out, takes two seconds, squares up, hits the ball, and like he plays like 90 holes in a day. Oh, my god! It's crazy. That sounds oh awesome. I would God. love to be wow. the person that just has to floor the cart <laughs> yeah. all over the place all day. That would be so fun. Yeah. No, I'm a walker. I got to walk. Really? Just, you're outside. Like, just enjoy yeah, being outside. Yeah, if I'm going to do I'm going to get something out of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm not really enjoying the golf part, so I'm going to try to get some exercise. But then you have to, like, set the clubs <laughs> down. Well, you got to look. You got to push cart. You, you just oh. gra- you graduate to like 65 years old and you just get a push cart and you walk around and you push it and then you yeah. have to you know I have think to being a caddy would have been a fun job I think yeah. that would be fun do you golf Anna have you golfed uh, I was on a golf league for two years and I have never I had never golfed uh, by by the case that you were saying you were on a golf league not in a golf league were you on a golf can you be on a league or in a league I don't know sorry I don't know but I was um partnered with super fan of the cold oatmeal podcast and super athlete you'll have to narrow that down emily g oh yeah check her privacy (laughs) (laughs) she also walks was the only person in the league who walks and doesn't use a cart a push cart okay she just she just hikes around carrying the bag and is also probably the best golfer on the league really (laughs) so i'm just there like struggling along she's like oh we're just here to have fun and then she's like you know, crushing it out there. And I'm like, this is making me feel so <laughs> terrible about myself. So naturally I quit. Yeah. Okay. Well, you should have offered to carry her bag and then you could have just like, I could be along. the caddy. You could just walk along. Yeah. 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 It's actually really fun though. 
it, it it has its moments. I like it when it's ca- when it's casual. Yeah. When it's not too stressful. When I just have to go into it knowing that I can't care. It's all about the people who you, you're with. Like everything yeah. in life. Like a podcast. Yes. It's all yeah. about the people you're with. Yeah. yeah. Surround yourself with bad golfers. <laughs> That's my goal. I try to find. I try to like. Oh yeah, I'll totally go golfing with you. Yes, let's go. When do you want to go? Chris Harkins. <laughs> <laughs> I will find out if they listened all the way till the end. Yeah, now yeah. I'll have to find out. I had a hole in one once. No, you didn't. I did. At mini golf? That's what's funny is that like he had two because I found one. Where? I, at the at the country club of Lansing. Really? Yeah. Are there witnesses? There was. My my golf buddy Wes, who I actually invited to come and help us co host today, but he actually has a, a day job and can't oh. can't do this kind of stuff. Lame. But yeah. The thing that makes it hard is that it was on December thirteenth. Like a random middle of the December, and all of a sudden it was like sixty degrees outside, and this was like eight years ago. Nine. How is the course open in December? You, it, you can just go. I mean, the holes are there, and there's no snow, and so as long as it's not muddy and you're you know making a mess of the place, they'll let you golf. And so it opened up because it was a really warm weekend, and Wes and I were playing, and I got a hole one on the on the fourth the fourth hole. Wow! But there was almost no one there. So in one way, I lucked out because when you get a hole in one at the club, you have to buy everyone in the club a drink (laughs) and there was no one there. So it was, it was not very expensive. Do you get your name on the wall or something? No, because I think because it was like off season and like no one really believed because anyone who's golfed with me would would never believe I had happened. <laughs> so I came, I had no one to tell and it was just me and West coming back. I was like, hey, look what happened. And so it, it was kind of like an unofficial hole in one. I didn't get in the newsletter. I get nothing. Did you keep the ball? I did not. No, I have, I have many pictures, and it's a Facebook memory. So every every December thirteenth, I get a Facebook reminder of my whole one. Nice. But that is impressive. I'm impressed. It really wasn't all that impressive. It wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't like ooh, that's a perfect shot, land, bounce, bounce in the hole. No, it was kind of like I scuffed it, line drive, rolled a really long way up a hill, down a hill, and then where'd the ball go? <laughs> like I thought a squirrel had taken it or something. Like I don't see the ball. Yeah, did it take you forever to find <laughs> it? I was like, where is it? It can't possibly be in the hole. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, John was a great sport coming by. He's a I learned I hadn't really no idea concept of I just thought he was going to golf tournaments and hanging out and having some beers and golfing with, with people, but he's got much actual, more serious. He's got work to do. Anyway, it was good for him to stop by the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. And it was good for Anna and uh, Joe and Carly to join me. Thank you so much. This has been Matt. You've been listening to the Cold Oatmeal Podcast, and we will talk to you next time.